Hi everyone and welcome back to In The Reads podcast. Merry Christmas to everyone and I hope everyone is safe and well. And this week we have Mr. Dave Critchley, our exec chef of Luban Restaurants in Liverpool. But I'm going to rename him Father Critchley due to his work in the community over the lockdown periods and we're going to talk about that in the in the episode so it's all going to be about community solidarity togetherness and just generally being kind to people which is something we need to take forward into our lives post COVID-19 so we'll also hear about Dave's training in China and his work as a chef and it's really interesting episode and Dave's a really cool guy so Hope you enjoy listening to this one. Thanks for listening again, guys, and any feedback is more than welcome. Thanks, guys. So, Dave, how are you today? Yeah, pretty good. Um, staying positive. We're close to reopening the restaurants again. So, um, yeah, it's it's Christmas time-ish. Um, yeah, we should be positive. I'm feeling pretty good, to be honest. Yeah, good. So, let, first of all, let's focus on chefing. You yep. know, is that something? Did you always want to be a chef, or is it something you fell into? Uh, it was certainly a falling into type scenario. Um, I was working in the halfway house pub in Shawwell, which was my local, from the age of about fifteen, just washing dishes. Uh, and I was kind of paying myself a little bit of it was pocket money, basically, and uh, money to then put me through college. Uh, went away. No, I didn't go away. I went to Liverpool Community College and did an art foundation course because I always wanted to do art and be an artist and an illustrator and whatever else, graphic. Um, and I'd stay working there for, for a good few years while I went to university as well. So I'd go to university in Wales Monday to Friday and then drive back to the halfway house and work all day Saturday, all day Sunday and then drive back to Wales again on a Sunday night. And I was doing um, illustration for children's publishing in Wrexham. So certainly not what I wanted to do primarily, but you probably know yourself, once you've worked a few shifts, you start feeling like, this is this is pretty cool. This is, this is nice, do you know what I mean? Um, and you just fall in love. Well, I certainly fell in love with the kitchen and working in that kind of pressure environment with these, uh, with the team around you. Certainly had my eyes opened in that first few weeks of working in that place. I tell you, there's a lot of stories, maybe for another time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, completely fell in love with it and just went on from there, really. I finished my university course, but decided, um, A, there was no jobs in the, in, the, in the country for what I wanted to do at the time. And um, B, I kind of got the bug by that point. So I wanted to stay in kitchens. I knew I could earn a half decent wage or at least money coming in by going back to the kitchens again. So yeah, went back to kitchens and, and just went from there, really. Well, you're now at Luban. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, Luban is probably the uh, craziest project I've ever been part of um, in, in a really positive way. So at the time I was working in Australasia, out in Manchester. So a big Japanese, Asian-themed restaurant, loads of fresh fish, sushi. Great um, really big unit, quite busy, really busy unit. I've done two years out there for uh, Living Ventures and got a phone call saying we've got a new project coming to Liverpool and we'd like you to be involved. Uh, took the phone call and was just instantly like, 
what what a project to be involved with. You want me to come back to Liverpool, which was a great, great positive for me anyway. I love the city and um, the M62 for two hours a day is not is not pleasant and that's our best. Yeah. Um, but to come back to Liverpool, amazing. Go to China, also amazing. Like never been to China and probably the furthest I've ever been in my life. Opportunity to go out to China, experience the culture, uh, work with some incredible chefs, albeit briefly, and then come back and open this brand new kind of state of the art new concept in Liverpool. I was just like, just sign me up, sign me up now. So, and it's been a whirlwind. It's pretty much, uh, we've just gone past a year. Um, we opened in November of last year. Obviously, we've been closed a couple of times since then, but it has been an absolute whirlwind. Um, and it's a great restaurant. If you've not been, it's um, what you'd probably say modern Chinese cooking. It, the Chinese food that the British public know and love is absolutely nowhere near what you'll absolutely what you'll see out in China. Uh, we just wanted to showcase where they are in terms of their culinary journey. We're kind of about 100 years behind. <laughs> so um, we're going to bring uh, regional northern Chinese cooking to Liverpool. And there's so many other offsprings of this project that are happening as well. We've got an academy where we'll be bringing students from all around the world to train at the restaurants. And we've just recently launched all the other stuff, the online stuff, the cook-at-home stuff, uh, the heat-at-home banquets, and there's cookery courses coming as well. So it's been a busy, busy year um, getting everything set up, but it's been amazing. Been really, really happy with it, to be fair. Yeah. I'm a lucky boy. I'm a lucky boy in many ways. Very right. grateful. Interesting. So in, in obviously Liverpool has a rich heritage with um China and it's like the probably it's the oldest uh Chinatown in Europe. Yeah. But like you say, the food is often westernized, isn't it? And it's interesting that I think like you say, it gives a good um good indication of what well, I think it I think it, it's better. It's it's good that these restaurants are coming through because obviously we can learn more about cultures this way. I think, and it's the same with Indian food, isn't it? A lot of it's Bangladeshi and and completely off where the where the regions are. So it's very yeah. interesting to know. When you've gone over to China, a bit in, really interested in what what kind of things were you learning over there, and how did that come around and entail? What did it entail? Yeah. So my first few days out there was just spent in a college with one of their top master chefs in the region and he's trained hundreds now thousands of students he's trained over the years and I think the very first thing was just noticing the kind of attention to detail and the very light subtle flavors and for me it was almost like an Italian philosophy it's like choosing the very best ingredients and not really doing too much with them so the first few dishes I saw I was just like wow, this is actual Chinese cuisine. This is the real Chinese culinary art that I've never seen before. And yeah, and as a scouser, as someone from Britain, you just don't see it and you don't know about it. And even with someone with like a culinary background like mine, you just don't see these recipes. They're not out there. There isn't cookbooks that show you this type of like style of food. So yeah, the first thing was just a bit of a shock to the system. It was just like, wow, everything I thought I knew about Chinese food is just 
utter rubbish. It's completely gone. Yeah, forget it. Forget it all and start again here. So, um, yeah, that was incredible. Spending time with Master Wu and his team of Master Chefs who all kind of specialise in their own category. That was just insane. And then I got taken to the top restaurants in Tianjin and everyone I sat down and I thought, this would be a Michelin star restaurant in the UK. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And this style of food is, yeah, just needs to be in the UK. So, yeah, I just think it was that kind of cultural shock thinking what we've known or what we thought we knew is just completely miles away from where the, where the Chinese are in terms of their, yeah, in their culinary skills and, um, and just the way they put dishes together. It was just like, wow, this is brilliant. This is amazing. And then hopefully, yeah, we can bring some of that to to, to Lubain and, and to the UK as well. But it's going to be a gradual process, I think, Matt, because you have a lot of people coming in thinking, this isn't Chinese food. This isn't Chinese food in your life. Kind of is. <laughs> it's just not what we're used to. And I completely appreciate that because that's exactly where I was. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's, about, it's just about education, isn't it? I mean, it, it, it's not just Chinese. It goes, you look at Italian food and you know, look at the bastardized stuff that people do to carbonaras and stuff like that. Yeah. It, it, people don't realize without they're not told, but I think in this day and age, people are wanting to learn. So you are, you're always going to get that, but really yeah. you, want to be, you want them to be surprised. Don't you? That's, that's half the, half the battle, I think. Yeah. And we've got, I mean, I'd, I'd say 90, 99% of people have come through our doors have been really pleasantly surprised. And, um, and you can tell they're more open to thinking like, okay, this is something different. When you walk through the doors, you should notice that it's not your kind of typical Chinese restaurant. And it's something that we've always said from day one, listen guys, we're, we're not your typical Chinese restaurant. Luban is a bit of a difference. It's a bit of a culture shock. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's treading that fine line, isn't it? At the same time, I wouldn't want to come in with kind of like sea cucumbers and, and all kinds that just people wouldn't buy. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Even though they're great dishes, people are going to be like, no, no chance. I'm not eating that. Yeah, so that's, that's the level we're looking at and we'll just keep pushing the boundaries little bit by little bit but not too much all at once because, yeah, we still need to operate as a, as a viable business as well. So, yeah, and that's, and that's what will keep us here. So. Is, is there anything at all, any standout thing from China that sticks with you? Whether it's a dish or... Um, it was such a sensory overload in China. It was a whirlwind visit. I only had a few weeks and um, it was just, ins- everything was insane. Um, so just everything will always stick with me. I-, I think what I always say though, if I'm asked about this, it's probably that very first dish I was shown uh, at the college and there was a, a chef called Master Yu and he specialised in kind of cold dishes and he just knocked up this cucumber dish, which was so simple and so basic. But when I was eating it, it was just like, mind was blown. I was just like, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. This five-flavour cucumber will always stay on the menu here because yeah. it had that much of an impact on me. But it's like, anyone who tries this is just like, I've never tasted cucumber like this. And it was just this really simple process. You got a really good cucumber. Now, Chinese cucumbers are slightly different and we use the British one over here, but you still get the same kind of feel for it. And so he just very carefully peeled it, took the seeds out, sliced it up into nice little batons. It was sat in salt for about 20 minutes. Got a lot of the moisture out of it. 
to balance off the saltiness, he added in uh, a rice vinegar and sugar mix and just the right quantities. So it wasn't overpoweringly salty. It wasn't overpoweringly sweet or vinegary. And then he added kind of uh, fresh shiitake mushrooms, chilies, and ginger to the mix as well. Tossed it all up and served it. It was a beautiful little stack. Really neat stack of cucumber like um, batons. I'm just eating it. I was just like, bloody hell. In that second, in that mouthful, I just think everything that was in here about Chinese food just went blam, gone. Do you know what I mean? Straight away. It was delicate. It was balanced. It was precision slicing. And it was just fair enough. I'm throwing everything out now and I'm a blank canvas for Chinese food. So um, that's probably the one that I'll go back to always. And I don't think it'll ever come off the menu because, yeah. As, as the start of my Chinese culinary journey, I think it's a great dish. I think it's fantastic. So simple um, and just effective. Yeah. So I think it's that. But China, as I, as I said, is, is a culinary and a, just a visual and sensory overload. Everything is massive, huge buildings, just colours and ingredients and everything everywhere. It's, it's an amazing place. If anyone gets the chance to go, you should. I mean, the cities, are, the, the cities, some of the cities are huge, aren't they? 10, 12, yeah. but like, they're only like, some of them like 20, 30 years old. Yeah, yeah it's madness, isn't it? So we went to uh, Tianjin. Now, um, Tianjin's probably not the most well-known city, but I was told it's just a small city and it's near Beijing. And I was like, right, okay, small city. There's like 20 million people living there, do you know what I mean? And it takes seven hours to drive across. It's like pretty much the size of England, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, that was incredible. The really good thing about Tianjin is it is very similar in feel to Liverpool as well, uh, which is why the project came from Tianjin to Liverpool in the first place. A massive port. It's probably the biggest port in the kind of northern areas of China. So... Uh, a lot of the trade would have been coming through there. So you've got this incredible city with this massive river that runs between two halves. So it's almost like Liverpool and the Wirral. You've got this massive um, river Mersey running through. And then some of these similarities are yeah, staggering. A lot of the architecture is very similar in parts. And that is to do with the trade routes between Liverpool and China historically. And a lot of the English kind of merchants setting up um, shop over there, as it were. Um, it's incredible. So our three graces along the waterfront, well, Shanjin's got like 100 graces. <laughs> and, and they look amazing. But, but you just get that similar feel. So, um, yeah, that's been, that's been really nice as well. The, the Shanjinese, which I think, I don't know if that's the correct term. That's what I call them. But... Um, They've got this incredible sense of humour as well, which um, I just must be something to do with the sea. Do you know what I mean? Scousers have it. The Tianjinese have it. So it's this great sense of humour. They like taking the myth. They love the music. Um, the similarities are incredible. So, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been really cool. That's brilliant. I think port cities have that extra sort of, they do have that outward looking and, and you know, inclusion of different cultures don't they it's definitely, definitely yeah. being around the water for sure yeah. but like, yeah that's amazing amazing project Very it has, yeah. Yeah. like I said it's been the most the most interesting project I've ever been part of because it means almost a fresh slate for me I've done like 20 years of cooking 
And now um, it will be a case of, yeah, bringing in a whole new style of food that I hadn't been doing before, didn't really know anything about before. And, and I think that's really, really exciting. So, um, yeah, it'll be a project that will run for a good few years. Um, and I can't wait to uh, yeah, see where we go with it. So throughout this pandemic, I would say adapting has been um, a word used by quite a lot of people. And one which reason I called you Father Critchley to start is for your other projects that you you're doing alongside this. Um, obviously, let's talk about lids first. I know there's a couple of others. What made you start lids, and what does lids stand for? Okay, so lids is the Liverpool Independent Delivered Services. Um, obviously, lids the lids people kind of yeah can get on board with that and it's a cool snappy name but it is exactly what it says on the tin so we do delivered services and it is using independent liverpool suppliers as well so this came about literally of us closing the restaurant um during that horrible week where we were all sat there going what the hell do we do do we close do we stay open uh, after speaking to a lot of other restaurateurs and, and yourself and everyone else in that group we set up, um, we made the call to close the doors. Uh, and it was the right call because a few days later, obviously, we were told we had to anyway. So, um, But we emptied out the fridges and we distributed the food around the city where it was needed because we knew we would have to close for however long. We knew it would be easier to switch everything off, fridges, freezers. And that kind of got me thinking then. It was just like, we've been worried about ourselves for so long, but they're actually distributing this food out. This made me kind of wake up and see there was a lot of people out there that needed help. And then speaking to my suppliers, basically, I was like, what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing? How are you finding it? And obviously a lot of their business has dried up. All the restaurants have closed. Uh, I spoke to them and said we should distribute to people's houses or we should be distributing to um, like care homes. We're really struggling to get hold of food and stuff like that. So it kind of started there. And for the first kind of four or five days, it was literally me on, a, on the end of a phone for like 12 hours a day, just taking orders and passing them off to other guys, like other suppliers. Um, a place in orders for anyone who couldn't get hold of food because the supermarkets were struggling, uh, shelves were empty, there was no delivery slots, people are being told to stay in, but at the same time, there's no food in and there's no way of getting it in. So, this just came together. I phoned the suppliers, I said, this is what I want to do, I need to help people, we need to get food out there, but this will keep your businesses alive as well, do you know what I mean? So, and that's where it started and we quickly almost got um, overwhelmed by how many people were calling me because uh, it was literally just my phone number on a Facebook ad that went out saying, listen, guys, if you're struggling, just call me and I'll make stuff happen. I didn't really know how to harness that at the time, so it literally was just me on the end of a phone, which, yeah, was pretty stressful. <laughs> but we got organised, uh, brought a couple of people in into the loop. We got a website built. Um, and we went from strength to strength, really. And it's been pretty phenomenal ever since. There's now 25, 26 different suppliers on the site. You can place your order and have it within 48 hours. Everything all arrives from a, from a driver. We managed to take drivers on. 
um, offer them work as all their work had dried up as well. So just felt like a good project all around. It meant the businesses were still managing to trade. Uh, we had people working, which was great. We could offer a couple of roles out to people. Um, and it meant that people at home could get food and, um, and places like uh, your care homes and things like that who were really struggling to go and buy. You're trying to buy a toilet roll for 40 people, but you know what I mean? You can't because A, there's no toilet roll, or B, if there is, you're only allowed to take one packet or two packets. It doesn't work for a care home, do you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, we filled a lot of gaps. There was just that, I think, I think one of the reasons was seeing that horrible image of there was like an old lady. There was a photo of an old lady and she's just staring at these empty shelves and there's nothing mm. there. Do you know what I mean? And I think that really just hit home. And I think, oh, that was possibly one of the turning points. We're saying something needs to be done. This is not right. Do you know what I mean? This isn't right at all. So that's how, that's how Lids came about and, and Lids has just evolved ever since. It kind of epitomizes, um, you know, shopping independent and shopping local obviously you know that's the ethos behind it but i think there's been a big drive for that hasn't there um which i hope sticks i know it's been talked about a lot when I've been doing these podcasts as well but i just i really yeah. hope it sticks um and even now when we're talking now you know the the biggest supermarket chains and some shops define the loopholes that they can actually stay open you know what i mean yeah. and that just makes it even more difficult while you have independent places sitting shut it doesn't actually doesn't quite add up, does it? No, it doesn't sit right at all. It's like everywhere's closed physically for a reason, but suddenly you've got these guys with like a loophole. Do you know what I mean? You found a loophole during a, a pandemic. Do you know what I mean? It's just not. It's not right. Like mm. we closed for a reason. Do you know what I mean? So let's. My my plan is hopefully that we, we close, we come through this, and we come out the other side, and everything's okay again. So. Yeah, the loopholes is going to make you a bit angry, and it's always the big boys with the with the with the money and the top lawyers and the top people working on stuff like this that will benefit from it. And it's just like mm. killing off small businesses. Yeah. Your loopholes to make you a bit of money is is killing off a lot of the small businesses, and that's yeah, it's not right that at all, is it? So, so yeah, hopefully, I mean, hopefully, lids can go strength to strength, especially going into the festive season. So, if anyone wants something slightly different or hasn't used it. Now is the time. So. Now is the time, yeah. We're gearing up for a, for a big Christmas. There's lots of orders coming in, lots of Christmas orders coming in. Uh, and that's absolutely great. Unlike Matt says, we, we want to continue that. And people should carry on trying to support local businesses as much as they can. Um, yeah, when things return to whatever normality is going to look like on the other side of this but it is all about supporting your local guys. These, these are all families, do you know what I mean? These are people like me and you, like all of us, they're trying to survive, they're trying to feed the family, they're trying to just make it in life. So, yeah, that's who we should be supporting. Forget the millionaires for, for, for a Christmas. <laughs> yeah, they'll be all right, I'm telling you, they'll be okay. And, and it's easy, very easy to order. Um, you know, you don't have to do anything, really. Just, just, just you know, sit at your computer and you're done. Yeah, that's it. Simple as we could possibly make it, yeah. Um, but yeah, Tracer 26, different companies now. Maluco's on there. Um, got some great Yeah, yeah. got some awesome pizzas. But, but yeah, that's, there's, there's loads of fantastic businesses on there. And we're getting approached every day by new guys who are like, how do we get on? 
and it's it's great to see that something's kind of given a little kickstart back into the kind of um, yeah community and the little Liverpool independent business sectors as well. So yeah, yeah, quite happy with with how that's gone so far. Very uh, good. Very busy guy at the minute then. Uh, yeah, yeah, my family, <laughs> my poor family. <laughs> how many how many kids have you got? Um, just the one, Joshua's my little lad. He's he's uh, he's five. Yeah, yeah. We have yeah. a handful at the moment, but um, yeah, me uh, my wife decided that one was one was plenty. So um, yeah, it's one it is, and one is a one is a good handful. Like yeah, yeah. Good. Um, well, yeah, fair play here. So obviously, how how like on a personal level, doing these things, and obviously. You know, people have really looked inwardly throughout this experience. Has it has it made you think or change you in any way, personally? Yeah, I mean, I think I've always I've always been community spirited. I've done what I would consider to be my part in the past, um, but now I was like. I think with the start of this, it's like I'm actively going to go and start something or I'm actively going to go and do as much as I can rather than putting a few quid in and thinking, right, I just kind of decided that, yeah, I I, I have um, certain qualities and I can use them to help other people. So I think it was a real time of reflection and looking at myself a little bit and saying, am I doing as much as I can? Can I be doing more? And the answer was, yeah, I could have been doing a lot more. So, um, yeah, I, I, I like to feel like I've improved as a person through lockdown because I'm really focused on, on other areas um, and other people and I'm hopefully doing more for the communities around me because I just think it's really important to do that. So, yeah, I think it was, if anything's come from lockdown, it is that kind of inward reflection. It's the time to look at your own life and, and decide what changes need to be made or whatever else. So, uh, yeah, I'd like to think, I'd like to think of kind of, yeah, I've, I've reassessed some priorities in my life, although certain projects did take over for a while and I've had to reassess again to make sure my family time has, has come back and, and whatever else. But yeah, um, Hopefully, everyone else who's got some time off and some downtime can use it constructively and just look at their own lives and, and look at what changes they can make and hopefully become a better person for it. I, I personally feel I have become a better person, so um, I'm grateful for that experience. How do you think food and the hospitality industry plays a part in that? Um, I've always been very lucky with the hospitality industry I've I've got a great career I've had um I've had a great life through food and drink in this city and in the surrounding areas so in hospitality and I, I that's why I like to kind of put back in now so anything that's food related um I'd like to be involved with if I can make a positive impact somewhere around us um, it's amazing to see the food and drink sector the hospitality sector kind of jump in especially with the likes of our um half term project where we got all those packed lunches out it was restaurants and uh, bars and pubs who were donating even though there was very little money coming in for them 
that they found it important and we all kind of bandied together. Um, and I just, think that's happened. Just, just, on, just on that, so you just just on the pack lunches, so you just explain what, what happened with that. Obviously, it came in line with the, um, the, with the Marcus Rashford food debate and then yeah and the half term so you ended up was it a thousand you ended up doing um we did we did more than that so my um i've been working on a project since march <coughs> um with nosley kitchen which is a community project out in nosley and we're just looking at how we can improve um food related issues uh ranging anything from holiday hunger to kind of um child obesity and access to fresh food and things like that. So uh, we are only working for a few months on something and we've been doing plenty out there uh, through lockdown. And then half term was approaching and we said we need to do something. And I'd initially just set out if I could feed 100 children through half term with one meal a day, that would be some kind of positive impact in the area. Uh, then with obviously Marcus Rashford behind it and the government saying that they weren't, first of all, they weren't going to um, extend school meal vouchers into the holidays. It was just massive, almost like a yeah, huge train behind what we were doing. It just built and built and built and built and everyone wanted to help because that's the kind of city Liverpool is and that's what human beings are like naturally want to help and especially if it's to do with like children going hungry there's just so many people have stood up and said that is not happening on my watch you know what I mean so we went from trying to raise money for 500 pack lunches which would have been our 100 children we ended up raising enough money for 5,000 pack lunches so um, yeah just over a thousand children we managed to get out to uh, with pack lunches um, which is not it wasn't the final solution it isn't the great answer to everything but we think it did certainly help through that week and um it certainly set us up for our next project which we're going to talk about hopefully um the secret santa mission christmas project so i'll quickly tell you about that because we're just um about to launch that and it's a uh, effectively it's a christmas dinner in a box for a family that may may well not be able to afford it normally and again, it will be in summer holidays. Sorry, it will be in holidays. Um, it'll be the Christmas holidays, obviously. Um, and money will be tight, and parents will be struggling to find presents and food and everything else they need during this period. So we're hoping that we can bring a full Christmas dinner in a box that will at least take the pressure off the family to be able to afford that and deliver that. So <clears throat> we're going to have everything, full full works, all the trimmings, turkey, pigs in blankets, cranberry sauce, vegetables. Um, but the, the, the main part of this project is it's learning as well. So it, it's all the instructions on how to make it. We're not just going to make it and drop it at the door for them. All the raw ingredients are there with the instructions and there'll be videos to supplement it if those, for those that can access videos online. And it will be a little bit of education. So hopefully we are offering a hand up rather than a, a handout. So it's easy to deliver food to someone's house and go, there you go. But the idea behind this is we want to teach people how to cook, what to do with the carrots, what to do with the parsnip, sprouts. Do you know what I mean? All those things, how to cook a turkey. Because um, those skills will be useful later on. So 
that's the plan there. And we're hoping to reach hundreds and hundreds of families again with this project. And the concept behind it is, listen, we're not in offices really. Um, a lot of people aren't working together. Normally you'd spend X amount of money on a secret Santa present for someone. And it always ends up in the bin within a few weeks, let's be honest. <laughs> Wouldn't it be better to actually put that money to better use and actually provide a real Christmas present for someone out there as well? So we'll be partnering up with a lot of people. Cash for Kids, Radio City, Knowsley Kitchen, One Knowsley. Alpha taxis, the list goes on. All the lids, all the lid suppliers will be involved, um, and it's going to be it's going to be pretty incredible. So, what's so, the space? Yeah. So, what? How will you done? Is it a donation you're looking for? Yeah, yeah. We've got a lot of support at the moment already, and there's still be money coming in from last time rounds that's going straight into this project. Um, the donation will be there in on the lid site again. And it's basically saying if you can afford anything spare over Christmas, whether it's one pound or whether it's, yeah, obviously more than that would be great. But really saying, forget that rubbish secret Santa present we can all do without it for one year. Let's put it to something really meaningful. Um, so there'll be a link on the lid site um, labeled Secret Santa. And if you could help us out, that'd be absolutely amazing, people, because this will make a huge difference. This could be the first time a family's even had this kind of food on Christmas Day. Do you know what I mean? It's something that we take for granted, uh, those who are fortunate enough to have a Christmas dinner every year. Uh, and we, it's just our way of going, right, we, we realise there's a problem out there and we want to help and this is what we're going to do this year. So we're going to bring Christmas dinner to you, to those families who wouldn't normally have it and hopefully, yeah, make, make a difference there. Brilliant. That's that's great. Who's going to be doing the videos? Are you going to be doing them? Like you, the Luban one? <laughs> Luban yeah, I'll, be, I'll probably be doing the videos. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, I seem to have uh, got a knack for being, yeah, being filmed now. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it'll be me and, and, and others if they'd like to join in. Any little tips and stuff as well from any other chefs out there or just anyone generally get them to us and we'll get them into the videos because it's great interaction. Um, it's great fun as well for people who are learning how to cook Brussels sprouts for the first time. Cause again, a lot of people won't have had a lot of fresh vegetables and it's, it's shocking to, to even think that, but that is the situation that uh, a lot of people yeah. are in. Yeah. It's mate, a busy guy at the moment. Um, but fair play to you because some some of the things you're doing are uh, really commendable, mate. And you know, it's it's uh, credit to you. It's very 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 uh, humbling to see. Yeah, well, as I said, I, I've been lucky in my life. I've never really wanted for anything. My parents worked really hard to make sure there was always food on the table for me. They always had jobs as well, which is some people don't have that. Do you know what I mean? Um, Obviously, you've got the likes of Marcus Rashford out there that's campaigning hard as well. He's been in that situation where he was struggling for food. I've, I've luckily never been in that position. So, from someone who's had a had a had a decent life, it's just yeah. I think it's what we should be doing and saying right, okay. There's a lot of people that aren't as fortunate. Let's just give something back, whether it's something tiny or something large. It, yeah, it all helps and it all. Or contribute so yeah. yeah just want to make a difference really and give a little bit back um yeah 
and hopefully it'll encourage other people to do so as well. But the response we had last time was phenomenal, like absolutely phenomenal. Uh, really heartwarming to see because everyone else feels the same. And just giving them an avenue to actually, yeah, do something good with it, I think has, has been a real positive thing. Yeah, it's about being, and just being conscious about it and getting out there and, you know, people might not realise and I think the more there's more that's out there and people realise how much people need these things, the better. I think it was like, yeah. it shows as well, like the, I think there's a disconnect, there's such a disconnect with the government in, and without being political, I don't really like mm-hmm. being political on these things, but, you know, one of the MPs came out and said, well, you know, it's, it's I know she regret, uh, corrected herself, but it's like, you know, these restaurants must be doing okay now. Yeah. Help them so they won't need any more grants. And it's like, you're missing the whole point here. Like it's like there's more important things than the business yeah. is actually people eating is your first priority. So, you know, it, no one's even thinking about that. And it just that really stuck with me that that, that disconnect and like I, I, even to say something along them lines is like yeah. like where's your head at and where do you what you know, it shows that just the, the fractured society, unfortunately, at the moment. Yeah, massively so I'd agree with that. And again, we'll we'll stay political free but that is something I think you've hit the nail on the head there with the disconnect it's like the people running the country don't seem to see what the issues are and they've got all these easy quick simple answers oh well you can put a dinner together for this much money okay but you've got to do that three times a day okay and if you don't have that money in the first place <laughs> what are you going to do with yeah so yeah the disconnect is is huge and, um, and and what we're doing now with Northern Kitchen and little community projects um, like this is trying to kind of fill that void and say, listen, there is a problem here. And food banks have been doing such an amazing job for 10 years, but they were never set up to be a 10-year project. It was a, a quick fix, a one-year project, and now we're seeing more people using them than ever before, more people relying on them than ever before. There's a serious problem that needs fixing and and, uh, and food banks, good job that they are doing, an incredible job and, and commend, uh, commend them. But it's not fixing the problem. It's not the solution to the problem. They're just helping people as much as they possibly can. So something needs to change and it's, it is the, the food system in the UK and yeah. who have access to which and food poverty and if we manage to fix them we can fix all kinds of problems child obesity diabetes and sickness and illness in our youngsters and that's that's our future so uh, yeah it's vitally important to think that we address that we were talking recently this is not um speaking to people as well from like nordics or, or other parts of europe that it's ingrained in them quite early on and it's in the syllabus for even in nurseries of, of, of learning about food and nutrition early, which doesn't yeah. seem to happen here. And like you say, it, it, okay, some food banks and other things, they get food to people. However, there's no education in the nutritional side of it. And often yeah. that can be unaccessible to people, which again is, it's wrong, isn't it? And it's like, yeah. well, you know, if they don't get told, it's like you never get told something, you're never going to know about it. And then the problem becomes even bigger than it was. Yeah, definitely. It's something I'd like to see in the um, syllabuses. And I just think we've lost a lot of the um, 
cooking skills that we used to have as families over generations. Um, and I just think certainly this generation now, because of how convenient a lot of food is and because of time restraints and whatever else, it's easier to put out a really low nutrition meal for your family because it can be done quickly and easily. So I always think there needs to be a little reset where we go back to, okay, this is this is British produce that's grown locally and uh, this is what to do with it, do you know what I mean? And this is the best time to eat it and this is, the, um, this is how you get the most nutritional value out of everything. So... Yeah, I think we've got a long way to go to um, yeah re- restore this, but um, hopefully little projects like the ones we're working on can make a start at least or a little dent in it. Definitely, so, yeah. Get back there. Get back to back to basics. Almost is, isn't it? So um, yeah, the British economy needs it. The British farmers need it. So let's let's see. Let's have fingers crossed that we can move towards that kind of yeah. I think it goes right across the board and across the whole of hospitality and culinary and and what people drink is like you know like you say go almost going full circle back of getting away from consumerism and and actually thinking and being conscious about what goes in your body everything you know what I mean you see it in the coffee industry for example that's a big one that's changing what people are thinking of where it's sourced from etc you know and it, it goes right through into wine the lot so i think it is changing me but i just think we just got to keep banging that drum that you know what was once people people actually didn't want to listen maybe 10 years ago i think that yeah. that, that that's changed where you'd be actually probably sometimes considered to be pretentious for even talking about it like yeah yeah that was good to say isn't it and i think talking about it it's only going to help Mm. Um, and like you said putting those better things into our bodies is going to help us physically mentally I mean it's all it's all for our own benefits basically yeah I think there's been a long period of time where we're just happy putting anything in that tastes good or looks good or whatever do you know what I mean but really could be having quite damaging effects on us so, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Viva, the re- Viva the revolution mask let's see <laughs> So, uh, is any anything else you want to tell us? Any other projects, or is that it? <laughs> um, <laughs> let's get through Christmas. Uh, obviously, we've got yeah, we've got Christmas going on. Um, we started the well-fed project, which kind of goes hand in hand with this. You're going to see a lot of them. The Christmas dinner boxes will be made by the well-fed group, which is uh, a company, kind of sub-company, I set up which will specialize in wellness, food, education, so well-fed. Uh, so these boxes will be available to buy if you're lucky enough to be able to afford them, uh, or they'll be um, available for underprivileged people and these will be sponsored by kind of community groups or councils or housing associations or donations. Uh, and effectively, it's, it's, it's a meal box, um, exactly the same as what we're going to do at Christmas time. And it is a box that gives you all the fresh ingredients that are all sourced locally with a little bit of information about those ingredients. Uh, then the instructions on how to cook them. And again, the supplementary videos and information. Uh, because we want people to not only get food, um, but understand the food and start learning 
in how to cook. So next time they don't need the box, do you know what I mean? They don't need the instructions because they've learned how to do it. And, and the, the project will be about, yeah, just teaching people how to get back to those basics again. This is what to do with the roast chicken. Here's what to do with the leftovers for another meal the next day. And it will be about um, intelligent purchasing from the shops, okay? So don't buy all that stuff there because that's full of crap, basically. It's processed. It's no good for you. Here's what to do with um, the same amount of money that you spend on that. I and mean, here's how you're going to get two nutritious meals from these. So the Welfare Project, yeah, that'll be kicking off. You'll see it mainly. We've got a few projects already with Wirral Council, uh, with some uh, live housing and some other housing associations and out in Norsley as well. They've been running since March, actually. Um, and that will continue into New Year and hopefully that will mean... Well, this is our plan. It's, it's just to bring some wellness, some education uh, and food to people who wouldn't normally see these things. So, um, and, and that's hopefully my way of saying this is how I think we tackle a problem and it is with education, but in a fun, positive way. It'll be a family sat around the table again because I think that's important. Uh, and it's about everyone getting involved, bringing a meal together, cooking it together. Um, it just strengthens those family bonds that I think we may be losing as a nation again down to time restraints or whatever else it is um so yeah welfare's going uh, obviously christmas is going to be absolutely mental uh, as long as everything opens up the way it's meant to we should hopefully have a good christmas the, the luban at home stuff is, is going out well at the moment that's good lid is firing on all cylinders um just trying to think what else is coming up we've got the hopefully the Academy, Luban Academy will launch um, in the new year and that will mean international students coming over and spending time with us, staying in Liverpool, learning about Liverpool culture as well as learning about the food and service styles. Uh, so that's really exciting and there's potentially a little bit of TV for yourself, so keep your eyes open for that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how that gets on. Um which is all exciting stuff, really. So, um, yeah, that's it, really. Good. So, yeah, that's good. I like the zero waste and sustainability aspect of what you're talking about there as well. I think that all comes hand in hand with what you're talking about. Hey, you could end up, um, you could end up in politics yourself. The way you're going. Yeah, well, I'd certainly like to speak my mind to a few of them, but um, yeah, <laughs> not a world, not a world I see myself in at the moment. But um, I, I'm just hoping there's. Uh, and there is actually some great politicians in the city already who are kind of fighting for these things. So I'm happy to let them take the battles to uh, to, to government and parliament. And I'll just hopefully just keep doing my bit here. But um, yeah, it's certainly important we get behind those MPs who are fighting for the good causes. Um, some really good guys in this city. Uh, yeah, we should support them as much as we can. But yeah. yeah. Um, so what about just like, just to kind of recap on everything or well, to finish a couple of things. So you like to keep fit, don't you? Yeah, I think it's massively important. I know you touch on mental health issues um, quite often, which is brilliant. I think more people should be talking about that. I've probably, um, up until relatively recently, last five years or so, was kind of like, I don't really understand mental health and I'm not really... I think I was drilled into me by... 
possibly by me, like by me, by your parents who were just they don't need to understand mental health. This is quite a new thing, um, and it was always like, oh yeah, it's just yeah, you're feeling a bit down. You just get on with it. I think in recent years, I've, I've really kind of started to understand mental health, um, and especially as uh, I'm running a team here with uh, there's 20 people in our team, and any one of them at any point could have an issue with mental health, and it's down to me to understand that and know how to deal with it. So, um, yeah, really, it's a real positive thing that you're talking about it more often. People should talk about it, it should be explained more to people. But, yeah, going back to that, um, checking's high stress and there should, there's probably thousands of chefs across the country who are struggling with mental health and don't even realise it um, keeping fit is massively important to me because it um, it just relieves a lot of stress and a lot of pressure so yeah, if you can take some time out through the week to go to the gym uh, when they're open again um, or work out at home, even go for a run anything like that yeah, do it because it, it makes such a massive difference. And a healthy diet goes along, goes hand in hand with that as well. Yeah, so diet is important um, and keeping fit is really important and speaking to people is massively important. We've seen the effects that lockdowns had on people's mental health and it's because you don't get to see people. Don't take that for granted. When we can see people again, go and see them. But um, certainly call people, text people, speak to people. That's important. Humans are meant to be interactive. That's, that's yeah, we've spent millions of years learning how to communicate and interact. So, yeah, um, it's not a, a surprise that when we were locked down and separated from each other, then problems arose. So, yeah, spend time with your family and friends. Yeah. Cool. I think these things are linked, aren't they, as well? What you're saying is a generational thing of potentially, you know, it used to go, just get on with it or, you know, just eat what you're given or whatever, you know, it, it, it's all linked to food, the nutrition, mental health, what, you know, what you eat is going to affect that. And then, you know, yeah. So, you know, we've got to keep uh, discussing it and, and moving forward. There's probably still lots to, to lots to learn. So obviously food brings people together as, as, as we've <laughs> been discussing. Firstly, have you got any, I haven't done this for a while, but have you gotten in the weeds specific moments from your time in hospitality? Oh, what kind of, yeah, what? Well. <laughs> <laughs> like in the kitchen, there's still plenty of stories. What, what, what specifically are you after here? So, it's the best one. <laughs> oh, God, there's, there's so many. Um, like a funny story. Um Fun, yeah. Oh, there's been there's been there's been so so many. Um, I did, yeah, yeah, it's 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 a struggle to find one particular one, but which is also quite PG. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Oh God, this is a tough one actually. So I worked somewhere, and this is this is this is quite naughty actually, but this is only this is only about me, so I can say this. Um, I worked somewhere for quite a long period of time. This is many, many years ago, by the way. Um, and at the end, at the end, when I was leaving, um, it was obviously quite, it was traditional that there'd be a whip round and you'd end up with like a big, big pot of money normally because it was a big, big team then as well. Um, for some reason, after X amount of years of working here, I think it was about five years, I wasn't particularly happy with my leaving present, which sounds really 
<laughs> it doesn't sound like me at all, actually, but I was a different character back then. So um, I think I've got like a, a car washing kit, and I wasn't particularly happy with that because I was like, I could have really done with the money. Do you know what I mean? And although it's a nice to watch, you bought me a car washing kit. I will probably never wash my car. You, you, after five years, you never, you just don't know me at all. Anyway, so um, I actually went back into said place and put a fresh fish um, in the bar area, hidden. Um, I just moved one of the roof tiles and put a fish in and slid the roof tile back on. This is very naughty. I, I apologize for this because um, you'll know who it was. Um, <laughs> Many years ago, I hastened to add. Anyway, obviously, as you can imagine, the smell was insane, and so much so that no one would sit on this side of the bar whatsoever. Um, and it went on for about six weeks until I finally went back in again, and I was like, "Whoa!" Like people were, li- people had been out to look at the drains, look at everything. Um, yeah, certainly a bit naughty for me. And I, I eventually told someone, I said, listen, there's, there's the remains of like a whole cod up there, by the way. So that's what's making the smell and you need to take it out. Uh, that's really naughty, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah. there you go. That's one of my secrets. There's, there's many more. There is many more, but that's that's the one you can have for now. <laughs> wow. That's Half when they leave as well, do you know what I mean? That's, that's a good one. <laughs> wow. Don't get it on the wrong side, yeah? The smell, the smell was like, oh, it would stop you. It would stop you in your tracks as soon as you walked in, eyes watering and gag reflex coming up. So, um, yeah, that was a long, long time ago. I hastened to add. So, yeah, certainly a changed character. That's it. Well, people, like, what, what are we getting out of this? People can change their ways. People can reform. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I've never, I've never wasted that bit of fish now. Yeah, we could sell that piece of fish. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> right, cool. So, I'm finally, I'm going to call you Father Critchley from now on. But the, what's what's a message for everyone? It's coming up to Christmas. What do you, uh, what's your words from Father Critchley to for everybody? Father Critchley. Father Critchley says at Christmas time and every time is um, is think about other people as well. So uh, Christmas time is a time of giving. That doesn't just mean presents and whatever else. That could be time. That could be help. That could be anything. Um, use Christmas time in the way it was set out to be. It was about giving for others. So yes, buy nice things for yourself and your family, but just have a little think. Is there anything I can do for a family that might be going through a really terrible time um anything anything at all can help someone else and it will make a huge difference you'll never know how much that little bit of help will help someone and change their lives so if you can please do it and if you are in need of anything please ask for help as well so there are people out there who can help that is the word from father critchley and if they don't listen to you they'll end up with a fish in the stocking yeah, exactly. Yeah, a smelly one. So, yeah, be good. <laughs> Listen, thanks for thanks for your time, and um, it's been it's been a pleasure talking to you and a, and a good laugh as well. So, yeah, good, good, good. Hopefully, after all this is uh, back to normal again, we can have a pint sometime, Matt. So it'll be great. Definitely, mate. Definitely. Cheers, mate.